The Candid Frame is supported by donations by listeners just like you. You can support the show by clicking on the donate button on the website or in the show notes. This is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame. When it comes to photographing in Los Angeles, it's not often that a photographer reveals the city in a way that surprises me. I've not only made images in this town for decades, but I've immersed myself in the photography of many great photographers who've made fantastic images in the City of Angels. But Mick Victor surprised me with his abstract images that he finds in the streets and alleys of Los Angeles and other cities. Things that I have passed hundreds of times in the past with little notice are revealed to me through his camera, and the results are beautiful and inspiring. It's always a pleasure to discover and talk with a photographer that reminds me that when it comes to photography, that the possibilities really are endless. How long have you been living in Long Beach? I've been here a long time, uh, pretty much since I came to California in, uh, in the, uh, the late 80s. Uh, I had a big, fat corporate job. Yeah, a big fat corporate job, which is why, I, well, with why I came out here, and um, and then I, we just stayed. And you know, we have two girls. We stayed here in this city. You know, I mean, I worked a lot in Santa Monica. Worked a lot in Burbank, um, some in Orange County, with different clients and different things. But ultimately, this was a really good city, and the area that we're in is really good for. Uh, just them getting around on their bicycles and we're around the water. We used to live in the shore, right, right, well, just three doors in the water. And then we moved from there and now we're up in the heights. Just still, I mean, you still see the water from here for the most part, but, um, but it's just a good place. And I knew that they could get around and I wouldn't worry about them. And it's kind of stayed true now, um, Izzy, my youngest daughter, 16, and she and her friends just, you know, they get out, but they just kind of hang around this area. They might be at the park. They might be by the marina. They might be almost any place, but they're not in cars, you know, and um, there's some comfort in that. I think, you know, they're not in the freeway driving to some other town and, you know, I don't know. It's just, uh, I grew up in the Midwest. I'm a kind of a small town guy. So, um, just doing everything in the same town, in the same area, on your bicycles or walking around or even, you know, driving short distances. I, I like that. So, uh, so yeah, so we're happy here. We like it. And, and, and the, the art scene here is really, uh, oh, you know, I'm not going to say it's exploding, but it kind of is. And what people seem to be recognizing is that um, – we're kind of all the variety and all of the variations and sort of freedom of the arts before, you know, before it gets to the point where you're doing a lot of things for a lot of money and then they're kind of determining what you're doing and what's popular and what's yeah. not. So we, we have some good people here. So. You, you work as an art director. Um, I work as a creative director. Creative yeah. director. Okay, uh, so what's, uh, what's the difference? Can you give us a definition of what that is? That's a little bit different in that I kind of big picture person for corporate people, for individuals, for small businesses, for artists. I have two artists that I'm working with right now. Um, one is a painter who's, 
you know, she's relatively successful, but just kind of lost her mojo and, and met me at a opening and just said, well, um, I hear interest to talk to you. And I said, well, okay. So it, it, we've been working for two, three months and, and she's doing well. I mean, she, she's doing great. I work with some others that way. Um, basically just trying to find out who they are, whether they're a company or a person or a thing, find out who they are and um, try to get them to the truth, kind of try to get them to who they really are instead of trying to pretend to be somebody else and then get them to operate from their strength um, versus other things that they think they want to be. So. Okay. So when you're, when you're working with, say, a client, a commercial client, yeah. and you're working as a creative director, how what, you know, what are the skills you're bringing into play to help them to achieve whatever their goals are? Can you give me an example? Uh, yeah. Um, well, the first thing is I'm I'm the guy in the room, even if all the other people in the room are not creatives, I'm the guy in the room that's comfortable talking about creative. I know how creative straddles the line of, uh, shall we say, um, business and not, you know, and creative. Uh, business people are, um, in a commercial sense, are often very – afraid to have that conversation. They're afraid. Um, they're not comfortable there. They don't have a vocabulary for creative, but they often more and more need creative. So um, I'm the guy who can, I guess, sit at the table in the conference room or whatever and open up the conversation about creative and make them more comfortable talking about it. What do they really want? What do they, and, you know, ask them questions that other people maybe wouldn't ask them get them to talk about things that make a difference to them as opposed to sort of the straight up, you know, suit and tie or button down shirt business decisions. And so that's one of the skills that I bring. Uh, another is just having, be, having worked with creatives most of my professional career. So knowing when they're kidding and when they're not, knowing when they can do something, when they can't, not letting creatives get away with stuff just because they're creatives. And, and, knowing when something is likely to work versus just being a cute or a pretty or a fancy or a fun idea. There are lots of fun ideas. Yeah. Not everything moves a business or a person forward. So my skill is to say, well, that's, that's a great idea. And, and a bunch of us can sit in a room and we can like that. But I'm not sure that that's going to do for you what you want it to do. Let's find another idea that is just as fun, just as bright, just as colorful, just as poignant, but something that actually works for your business. It's kind of like being a, a sort of a cultural translator. It is that. It, it's a great way of saying it. It, it, it is that um, every day. <laughs> so, every day. So how, how, do you, how do you bridge that? I mean, you're coming, you're coming from a creative place, and you're measuring um, the work um, yeah. the the entire arc of beginning to end from right. one aesthetic. And these people, these corporate people, for lack of a better word, are, are used to uh, evaluating something in terms of ma matrices, you know, things that are repeatable, numbers. Right. Uh, and that's what they feel comfortable with. And that's not something that's really an effective measuring stick by which to measure, measure creativity. Well... Okay, it's a great question. Um, one, a, you have to start with the fact that they actually want what creative 
can bring to them. They know that they, um, you know, maybe they have to put a picture of a person. Maybe they have to use an illustration. Maybe they have to use uh, some copy, some, you know, some text, some words. Um, they know they need to do this, and they've had to do this even before the digital age. They had to do this, you know, when they would, um, not to prolong this, but the only just creative decisions that corporations used to make were like, okay, what's our ad going to look like in the magazine? Mm -hmm. What's our trade show going to look like? Um, what's our, uh, maybe, or what, maybe if they're doing broadcast, you know, what, what's, what's broadcast going to look like? What's, what's the, what's the television ad going to look like? But all that you could kind of, you know, figuratively shove into a couple of days, maybe a week, depending on how big they were. You can shove it into a, a sort of a short time. Once that stuff was decided, what's our brochure look like? All done. Now they need to speak to if it's not a younger audience, it's an audience that wants to act younger. They want to be more open to things that art brings brings them. Uh, they want um, they know that they need to speak creatively more often than they used to. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make them that doesn't make them any better at it. But what I do is is um, you know I call it a series of yeses. I uh, if they say, well, okay, here's this project that we want to do. Here's this thing that we have to do. You know, within sometimes less than 24 hours, I write, I write down what they told me and what we said um, that I needed to do or they needed to do. And, you know, and oftentimes they come back and go, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's what we said. Like, of course, that's what we said. But the, the first thing is that I actually repeated it back to them. Um, and, uh, and they know that I understand what they're trying to get at. Um, and, and then we might go a little bit further from that. And then we might start putting some ideas out there. You know, what if, uh, what if it's a big balloon and a tiny child? What if it was a fast truck and, uh, something else? What it, what that does is it, is it starts letting them see that I understand visual things and words uh, maybe sound that represent the kinds of values they're trying to get across to someone. Mm -hmm. Once they understand that I understand, well, then it's a matter of, do I want the fast truck? Do I want the balloon? What appeals to me? Mm -hmm. Eventually, once they begin to open up creatively or at least to be open to creative, then, <clears throat> then we learn something about, you know, things that they like and things that they don't like. You know, geez, I always hated trucks. You know, my uh, my dad ran away from my mom and he took a truck. So I, no trucks in this yeah. thing. Okay, okay. Um, balloons, I like balloons. I have kids and I like balloons. Okay, can we, can we make it a balloon? Or can we make it a color or something like that? And sometimes colors are an interesting thing because no, our competitor just did something with that color or I hate that color or I love this color. So... It's really being um, comfortable and pulling apart all the elements. And um, uh, when you've been doing it for a while, like I have, it's not being it, – it, it's, it's a matter of not being afraid to pull it apart. When you're young, you sort of march in with a, an idea or two, if you're lucky, and you just pray that they'll like the idea. Yeah. And sometimes based on your enthusiasm, they do. <laughs> but sometimes they go, no – I don't think I don't think that's right. Um, having done this for a while now, uh, 
you can pull anything apart. I'm not afraid that we won't put something back together again in the right order, going in the right direction, you know, at the right speed. Uh, we'll do that. But that just comes with time. It comes time with saying you can blow this whole thing up. It won't hurt it. Uh, when we put it back together, it'll be stronger, better, and more effective for your business or, or your message. Well, th- what you just said about pulling something apart and putting it together is kind of analogous of what you're doing with your Art Unexpected series. Yeah, yeah, that's um, right. And why don't you describe for people who have not yet seen those photographs yeah. what they uh, what they're of? Okay. Uh, um, in, in about – I mean I've always been – I've been shooting all my life um, and uh, – you know, in different areas, different categories, things that fascinated, fascinated me at, at different times. But um, in about 2000, 2007, 2008, um, some, uh, uh, somebody asked me to, uh, to shoot a wall uh, that uh, they had done some painting on. And the interesting thing about it was that the rains had sort of washed away most of the uh, – most of the paint they had done, but they still knew that the stuff was there. They still saw sort of little glimpses of it. Well, I photographed it. Um, and then I took it back to the studio and then I just started playing with the light on it. It didn't change the color. I mean, they just changed, just changed the light, how much I could see. And I, and I saw some of what they were doing there, but what it, what it drew me to is looking at paint on walls, looking at marks on walls. And I, uh, what I, uh, like to do is go to par- parts of cities where people have painted things on top of things on top of things on top of things. So you might, you know, it might be a graffiti laden area. It might just be a lot of tagging. It might be marks. It might be um, actually sort of evolved into something else now as well. But, but when I was first doing that, I would try to find that place on the wall where everybody sort of accidentally came together. Nobody intended for that three or four square inches or 10 square inches to be there. But I was seeing something in that accidental collision of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I started photographing. Um, so, so that, that sort of started the un- art unexpected uh, period. And, uh, and now uh, it's, it's sort of a parallel thing. I, I also like when building owners um, send someone out, you know, maybe a maintenance person, maybe just a worker. Maybe they call somebody up. And they go, you know, someone's painted, you know, some word on our building that we don't want to have on there, you know. So will you go out and paint it out? Well, if they're in a sort of high traffic, high foot traffic, if they're in the inner city, uh, you know, the guy or the gal goes out there with a bucket of paint and they paint it out. It's, it's Never, <laughs> never the same color as the wall mm-hmm. is itself. And then somebody paints something else and they send somebody else out, generally not the same person, generally not the same bucket of paint, and they start painting something on there. Well, what they don't realize is they too are creating this, this chaos, this sort of collision of all these things. They're creating another piece of art out there. And uh, uh, gosh, I love that stuff. And, and, and so it's a little harder to find. Um, but it's out there, and sometimes it's a combination of all the stuff they've done plus sort of the native color of the building. Um, and um, you get bigger figures, bigger squares, bigger swaths of paint, but they're often very, very beautiful. 
Yeah, and and that's what I loved about the work because I've uh, when I saw the video that was done on you uh, yeah. on downtown Los Angeles. That's I've been shooting down there for twenty five years. So okay, I was yeah. very familiar for all of that. But yeah. what I loved about looking at your work is that you revealed something that I've been seeing for all those all those decades, and you revealed the inherent beauty of them in a way that I had not seen before. Mm. And to think that I, you know, I see a lot of work that's made in downtown, but I very few times do I have the experience that I had when I looked at your photographs. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah. So it was like, wow. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think I would see it. I, I never thought I would see downtown with such new eyes. Uh, so that was really, really fun. Yeah, um, I, I really like what you say about the fact that this is not just photographs of graffiti. This is like an unintentional collaboration of strangers on a wall. Oh yeah, I yeah. think that's just an awesome way of taking a look at it because when you when you see it through that filter, you realize, you know, oh my, this is much more interesting. This is more than just this 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 accidental pattern of color and, and tones and markings. It's really sort of this juxtaposition of these of these people who more than likely will never know each other. Yeah, they they don't, and um, and you know, kind of the simple graffiti thing that, of course, that <clears throat> happens that we've all known for a long time is the whole thing. Somebody paints something, and then you know, if it's gang related or not gang related, there's just sort of a power move, you know, I mean, sort of the, the Disneyland version is, Oh, that guy, he painted that guy's thing out and he put his thing on top of it. Well, I don't think it really works like that. I mean, maybe it does and maybe I just don't know that, but what happens so much of the time is, um, maybe they're all fighting kind of in the same space just for space. And, uh, and, and you might, you know, the two things that I mentioned, one, building owners uh, painting things out, um, and, and then just sort of the tagging uh, more than the graffiti. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's a combination of those things. Um, in one of the pieces, um, you saw the downtown pieces, uh, I have a, two pieces that, that uh, go together called Yellow and Blue, One and Two. <clears throat> and... Um, Kind of give you an example. I uh, I had uh, a guy who was assisting me that day, and I mean, just a, a friend who wanted to come along. And I said, "Okay, well, <laughs> it's it's going to be ugly, but if you want to come along, sure, come." So we were walking down an alley, and uh, and most of the stuff is in the alleys, by the way, in the backs of buildings. <clears throat> and so um, I I walked, and I said, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, we need to walk back." And he said, what? We should just keep going. There's people out here and they don't look, you know, friendly and all that. I said, no, 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 we're, we're fine. So we walked back and I said, it's, just, it's really just a matter of just looking at this thing. Just, I said, just trust me. Stay here for a few minutes. So we got the cameras out and I put the camera on and gave it a little bit more light. We didn't light the wall. I just let the, you know, ISO. We just, just opened that up a little bit. <clears throat> And uh, I said, no, Rich, look, look through the lens here. And he said, oh, my God. He said, how did you see that in there? I said, well, I mean, that's sort of what I do. But but the reason I was bringing it up when talking about the odd, odd things that are there, this is like this whole yellow and blue area. And then there's just like one little splash of pink up at the top of the frame. It's like, what? 
So mm -hmm. who walked down the alley and just put one dot of pink on the alley? And it's really pink paint. I have no idea where it came from. I don't, you know, we have no idea who put it there. But it it made for uh, just a uh, what I like a, a nice frame. You know, it's just it was just that surprise element that that you could just be so dominant in two colors and then just pink shows up. Yeah. So, it, yeah. It's really kind of amazing that when you take a look at that, I mean, they're very analogous to, to paintings, impressionistic yeah. paintings. Yeah. yeah. And and it kind of blows my mind that what you're photographing is completely unintentional, but in many ways it's comparable to the most intentional work that I've seen in museums. <laughs> <That's right>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and that's I, just fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, how did you perceive that? I mean, what what do you make of that when you look at your work and then you go to a museum and you see a painting on the wall that that, that could have been something that you saw in an alleyway in downtown or in Long Beach or, or wherever you were photographing? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think... Uh, I think beyond whatever, wherever we got it, you know, wherever, whether I, whether I shot it on, on the back of a building, you know, some some combination of stuff or whether somebody put paint on a canvas and put it, we're dealing in abstract here, but if somebody put paint on a canvas and put it on the wall of a museum or a gallery, I, I just, you know, have this thought and that's not terribly complex, but I just have this thought that like certain lines and juxtapositions of color and a few other elements, I think they're just kind of universal. I mean, I, I, I think whether you're looking at a painting or you're looking at a forest or you're looking at a sky, I think there's just certain things that soothe us. There's certain things that excite us. And certain things in certain orders and in certain sequence tend to say something to us. And so regardless of what art form you're using, I mean, if it's a visual art form, obviously, but I, I can even... I can even translate that to sound. I, I think there's just certain things that appeal to us in certain ways as humans. And so, um, so if you put it up there to try to say, this is peaceful, or this is crazy, or this is eclectic, or this is chaos, you know, in art, there's a lot of ways to say that. So I'm using one way, um, somebody who puts it in the gallery in the museum that paints it themselves uh, they're doing you know maybe we're doing similar things mm -hmm. so you're walking down the street walking down an alleyway and you see this wall with this explosion of color and and paint and paint painted over paint over paint and you have this whole wall but and you have your 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 dslr and you've yeah. got to pick a part of this wall in which to yeah. build the composition so when you are basically taking a segment of that entire expanse. How are you looking at it? What are you, are you looking in terms of relationship of color? Are you looking in terms of line and form? Are you using rules of traditional composition in order, in order to shape that, you know, 24 by 36 millimeter frame into right. something? Well, yeah, so let's start there. One, I do see them all as scenes. Um, I mean, it's interesting that you're mentioning that. I, I actually see them as being somewhat animated. I'm kind of looking for life, if you will. Mm. I'm kind of looking for, you know, maybe a dot of 
paint that's on there is is some character's eye. You know, maybe it's their head, maybe it's their feet. And I'm going to, so when I'm looking, I'm kind of looking, where's the life on the wall? Where, where is something happening? Where's, where's there an occurrence? You know, where's there, you know, I mean, I guess the easiest way to say is, but where's their life? And then, and then if I look more closely at that, well, <clears throat> then I'm trying to see, well, is everybody here? <laughs> you know, are, are all the characters here? And is there somebody across from him or her? Is there someone flying overhead? Is there, um, I don't know, is there a big storm there? Are they trying to climb a mountain? Are they in danger? Um, I'm just trying to bring a couple of things to life and make the rest of the stuff there work for it. Mm-hmm. Um Sometimes light and sometimes perspective is part of it. I, I'm going to say that most of the stuff is sort of just 2D. But I was shooting the other day <clears throat> in an alley and um, they had you – know, there's a little indentation. It looked like some sort of thing was built into it or it was, it was recessed from the wall. Well, on the outside of the wall, it was just sort of dark alley – paint but it was new enough to reflect light um, and then just as you come in the recess um, the sort of the perpendicular to that it's about six eight inches and it was painted one color and then when you got to the flat part the sort of main part of the recess it was another color and I thought oh my god this is just great this is just great because I knew that the light would do enough to make it to make the colors change a little bit. Mm-hmm. And depending upon where I move my camera, I could either really be dominant with the color or I could one color or another, or I could be less dominant with it. <clears throat> and um, it's new. And I was actually working on it this afternoon just to <clears throat> kind of move it around a little bit and, and see it. But, uh, but it was fun. You know, it's just, it's, they, they had no intention <laughs> to make it interesting, but, but the corner of all that turned out to be interesting. You know, you mentioned uh, in the in the video that when you come upon uh, uh, a place where you're going to start shooting, that you don't immediately start making photographs. Yeah, that you yeah, kind of linger, cool. you kind of walk around. Uh, tell me about uh, the choice to to sort of delay making photographs once you've already. Yeah, no, great question. Great question. Um, you just I've this, and it's always been true. Um, I sh- used to shoot in Venice uh, quite a bit. And uh, I mean, kind of any place you go, downtown, London is this way, New York is this way. You know, when you get there, you just like, oh, I'm going to go down there. And then you see some alley that's just full of stuff. And <clears throat> I, th- I find if I just start shooting right away, you just grab all this obvious stuff. You know, it's kind of big, big chunks and it's not very subtle and it's – you know, it's pretty interesting. It's pretty easy. It's like candy. You just like, oh, look at that. There's a head. Mm-hmm. There's a thing. There's a whatever. <clears throat> and it's it's interesting at that moment. But I've been doing this long enough to know it's not going to be very interesting for very long. You know, it's like by that time I get to dinner and start looking at my photographs, I'll be like, yeah, <laughs> it's not that interesting. So what I've learned to do is just not shoot that stuff. Just find some way to be there and you know i'll take food along sit in an alley walk down it go get some water 
hang out a little bit and try to be wherever I'm going to be in the alleys, downtown, wherever it is. I try to be out there for, you know, maybe at least an hour or more. And then what you do is you stop looking for big chunks. You start just being more affected by little things that are in your visual environment, if you will. And, um, and oh my God, you know, they're just so much better. They're so much more interesting. They're, uh, they're subtle. And because they are, at least for me, they last longer. They're just way more intriguing. They dig a lot deeper visually for you. You know, when I go back to the studio and start looking at it, it's, you know, I mean, listen, a lot of great artists, stuff you can't explain. You don't, you don't know why you like it. You just go, my God, it's just, it's just a thing, you know, it's just, it's just beautiful. Um, so it's not obvious, it's subtle, and that's why I take time. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I go to that same place that you do, but I, I do the opposite. I immediately start making photographs, even though I f know fully that the photographs are not working. Right. And for me, it's just, it's like warm up. It's yeah. just getting into the point of just getting um, uh, my body and my hand and the camera just used to seeing and making pictures. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, I get into that groove. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think I think that works. Um, uh, and that works for me if I'm not shooting abstract, if I'm shooting a person, if I'm doing a portrait. Gosh, you know, I'll start shooting them right away. But I tell them right up front, I said, you know, you came here today to the studio and I'm uh, I'm going to, you know, we've met before, we've had coffee or whatever. And, you know, in the first hour, I'm going to take all the pictures of you that I thought I wanted to take. And you're going to hold your mouth or your face or your eyes, your body, all the way you thought you were going to do it. But the photograph that we take that we like won't be any of those photographs. <laughs> It'll be the one that we get an hour from now, just accidentally. That you know, that'll that'll be the thing. So yeah. in in, the, in that case, I do need to warm up. So, so when you when you're roaming the the, the street and yeah. you go back to you know, uh, let's say downtown Los Angeles, sure. do you walk familiar paths? Do you intentionally? you know, um, try to wander to places you've not been before. How do you choose to, you know, navigate the streets? Well, it's funny. I, I, uh, I take the blue line down there and, um, the first thing that does is it just sort of gets you, you know, more into the city versus driving your car and parking it and all that, which is not a terribly urban experience in itself. So, um, so I take the blue line and then, and then I, and I'm not kidding. I kind of I get off the blue line at Seventh and Fig, and then I walk down. I can't even tell you what street it is, but I walk down Seventh until I until I get to this one alley, and um, and I do have photographs of that alley, <clears throat> and um, and I kind of start there, <laughs> and then I go, okay, well, here I am, and then I walk down the end of that alley, and you know I take a right, and then at that point, it might be anywhere, but I but that's kind of. That's kind of my foyer, if you will, yeah, yeah. to the city, and I and I use that. Oh, look at there's that, there's that thing, there's that thing. But then, then I just make myself take lefts and rights and go up hills and go behind something else and and all that. So it really is just, you know, it's just wandering. It's just flat out wandering, um, you know, with some eye to safety. Um, 
generally and I feel okay in most places, but I've been doing it long enough that I go, nope, that's nope, we're not going on there. Yeah. Um, just because, because we're not, but, um, but for the most part, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty fun and it's pretty okay to just to wander. And, uh, um, and I've had, you know, gosh, a fair number of people come up to me, you know, of, of all demographics in, in terms of, you know, people living in the alley, people walking down the alley going, like, what are you taking pictures of? Yeah. Come, yeah, okay. come over here. Look, this is what I'm taking a picture of. So, um, so yeah, so I'm, I guess I'm a wandering guy. And you work pretty simply from what I saw there. T- tell us about um, the choices there. Uh, well, I, I mean, I first of all, I like everything to be in the camera. I don't, you know, I don't want to construct anything later on because uh, that's that's that'd be that would be something else, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but yeah, I just have a I just have a tripod and uh, and. Uh, you know, a couple cameras with me, sometimes rather than taking everything out, you know, I'll carry a little camera with me and I'll just kind of shop. I just say I'm shopping for a shot with that camera and I'll kind of just frame some stuff up the same way with a, you know, a director would hold his or her fingers up and say, is this the frame? So I'll, I'll go around and look at things with a little camera. And then when I find something, then I'll you know I'll set up the tripod and really and then really work on getting that shot and and uh, and shoot it for a while, you know, because um, like you were saying before, I mean, there's sort of a warm up to every shot. It's, it's like you you take it and you think it's out here, and then you start moving in a little closer, or you start moving to the side. And you find out that the shot can be a lot more dramatic from from a different place, but um, yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty much it. Just look in there and look and look and look and look until it starts to be something and until it comes to life. And then when it comes to life, you know, if there's a character in there, is he or she running out of the frame? Are they running from something? Are they looking at something? I guess, you know, one of the things I'm trying to do there too is to, um, uh, and, and a lot of people that look at the work, they like the idea of it being big and they print it big and they show it big um, because it, it, this is, you know, this is just me. But I, <clears throat> I tr- if there's action in there, and I'm probably not going to shoot it if there isn't, but if there's life in there, I kind of like the life to at least – lead or refer to something outside the frame. If it's a little girl running, I want her running almost out of the frame so that when we look at it, we go like, oh my God, where is she, where is she going? Or if they're looking up, I want them to look up and out of the frame. And again, this is abstract, but but I want I want something, I want the viewer to feel something bigger than just the paint that I've captured there. So when you when you say big, what, are you talking sixteen by twenty, twenty by thirty, thirty by forty? Yeah, I mean um, all size. We can, we can get we can get up to you know twenty four by thirty. We can get uh, twenty by thirty. It it, it 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 kind of it kind of depends, I guess, um, on what it should do. Sometimes they're in sequence, but they can get pretty big. Um, and, and, and the size is relative 
to, of course, you know, the space that it's going to be in. And, and so that's another thing that I look at. You know, if somebody wants one, we're going to print one. And I print very few. I print only ever three sizes of anything. You know, and, and, and quite simply, it's sort of like small, medium, large, mm-hmm. you know. But after that, I won't, I won't sell the piece um, at all. But um, it's kind of how much of their room, how much of the wall, how much of the space should it occupy and how high are we going to hang it and all that. So. Um, but, but people do tend to see these things large and it just, just – was talking to people at the Annenberg the other day, and um, one of the gals was saying, well, how big is this when you shoot this? And I said, well, that that you're looking, that's like about four inches. She goes, well, isn't this should just be really big? And I said, well, um, you know, that for me, that makes me feel good, be, not because it's big, but because she sees it as sort of a big encompassing image and that we got that out of something so small. Yeah. So, you know, you've exhibited this work, and like you just said, you've just taken it for, I guess, a portfolio review at the Annenberg. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. T- talk to me about the importance of being able to, one, let the work sort of stand on its own, yeah. but then also having to sort of answer the question in terms of what are you doing? Because to my thinking, people could take a look at this and they could just make the assumption that this is just pictures of graffiti but it's so much more right so how do you sort of bridge the idea of being able to allow the the images to just sort of like speak for themselves but then also having to sort of uh provide a perspective that allows people to see them in the way that you intend to you know i i'm not sure that i've ever had to um I guess people either like the work or they don't like the work. They're pretty often intrigued by it. Um, I, I, I guess I think that if they get it, it stands on its own regardless of where I got it. Mm-hmm. I had a kind of a, a couple of years ago, people were saying to me, well, you really need to tell people where, where you got this stuff. <laughs> and I'm, I'm happy to tell them, but what I guess I don't want, the appreciation or the interest in the piece, you know, it's not a mechanical thing. Like, Oh my God, look at that. It's four inches and it's four inches in an alley. And he went in there and took his life in his own hands and he shot that and look at that. What he got. That's boring to me. Mm. I mean, I guess what I want, what comes up in the video too, is that I guess I would just want someone to look at it and say, well, I just like that. That's just that's just an abstract piece, and I and I like that. I mean, and it, and I would say this that even though it is generally where graffiti and um, and tagging occur and all that kind of stuff, um, I think most of the time people don't even know that, and and I guess I forget about that. I'm I'm pretty deep into just flat out the way it looks mm-hmm. once I get it, and. Um, you know, if anything, I'm sort of getting away with murder. I get to go out there and find paintings. I, you know, years ago yeah. I said, <laughs> I'm going to save my money so that I can quit working and just be a painter. Now, I'm not actually sure I'll ever quite get to the painting idea. You know, I think about it. But 
it's sort of like these guys are painting for me. It's just a matter of getting the same or the right seven people together on, you know, on a wall someplace and say, well, hey, look what we made here. And, uh, or look what you made. Yeah. So, um, so that's a, that's a long answer to saying it either stands on its own or it doesn't. And, um, and if it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, but if it does, uh, I can tell you this, um, I got uh, contacted by, uh, uh, a gallery out in New York, uh, uh, four or five months ago. And, um, and, uh, owned by these, uh, uh, Chinese, uh, people. And they wanted to talk about the work and all that kind of stuff. And they had one of the representatives in San Francisco and he, and then they said, well, <clears throat> our guy from San Francisco would like to come to visit your studio. Okay. Great. So that we, we set that up and about a week later he was there. He spent two days with me and he chose a, uh, I was showing him some pieces in the studio. We were looking at the computer and then we were looking at some that were framed and, you know, some that were stored there. And, um, and there's of, of this mm, certain series uh, that is mostly all things painted out, which is sort of big splashes of color. Um, he said, Oh, I like this one here. <laughs> and I got quietly. I was like, great. I like that one there too. I mean, I, I really, I really do like of, of the 10 pieces I was showing them in that series. I love that piece. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then the next morning he and I were having breakfast. I met him and, and I said, I have to ask you, I said, I, it, because he said when, when he looked at it, he said, this piece is so elegant. And so, then I asked him the next morning at breakfast. I said, "Okay, so so why did you call that one elegant?" And he's, "Well, it is elegant in its feel, but he said what what I like about those pieces with those big pieces of color. He said, in in uh, in China, maybe maybe just his his group of people or whatever. He said we like art that that sort of becomes a a place." for us to look, to think our own thoughts. When art is really busy, it's kind of just saying, there, think this, you know, think, mm-hmm. think these very literal things that are here. But he said, what, what I like about your work is that it's open enough for me to kind of get in that mood, go to that place, and then think my own thoughts. And he said, the, the pieces are more elegant and they're more open to me when I can do that. Wow, that is a wonderful compliment. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, I was... I was thrilled and I, and like <clears throat> he said it in a way that, you know, I, I certainly understood it. I'm not sure that I ever said it to myself that way, but you know, maybe, maybe that's what's happening for me as I'm looking at those things. And, you know, when I talked about bringing life to things or finding life, um, maybe those big open pieces, you know, just allow more life. Yeah. If, if you so how, how has, you know, this, this project and, and, you know, this body of work, Mm-hmm. sort of helped you in terms of being able to communicate with, you know, with your, in your role as a communicative director? Well, yeah, I mean, that sort of goes back to the beginning it is that I got more serious about being better at photography, just mechanically better at photography, technically better at photography, because I found that when I was trying to communicate things to uh, people, you know, I can write and I can, you know, I can write pretty well and all that. But 
when you're when you're trying to tell someone or help someone along, um, help them communicate better. I mean, words are not always you know multiple paragraphs or pages of things. They might be the explanation of what you're telling them, but it's not a very good way to communicate with them. You have to get them on an emotional level. So what I found is that being able to uh, find a photograph, find photographs, shoot photographs, go out and shoot my idea of what fast felt like or go out and shoot my idea of what really pointed and precise looked like. If I could do that, then as a client or as a person that I was consulting for, they go, oh, 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 yeah, I, I get that. I get that as opposed to us, you know, because there's just more room to talk there. There, You know, it could be faster, it could be kind of faster, it could be really fast. And they would interpret that versus us trying to put a word to it that they just said, well, okay. So, so that the photography is a way of showing a set of images that helps them understand what I think they would be more successful saying or how they would position themselves or how they would describe themselves to others. Mm-hmm. Well, my last question that I ask each guest is that I yeah. ask them to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore. Oh, oh I, I would be happy to. I would be happy to. Um, <clears throat> there is a photographer... Uh, she shoots everything with an iPhone, uh, and I think she calls herself iPhoneography or something like that. And I'm going to guess there's a bunch of people doing this. But uh, her name is Karen Devine, and she's based in Colorado. And when I look when I look at her work, um, I just go, I mean, kind of if I could trade everything that I do, you know, I don't know if it's really true, but like if somebody said, well, you have to be some other photographer. You can't be you anymore, you know, that I would be Karen Devine because she's just, um, oh, her sense of abstract and whimsy uh, and color and her working process. It just, it's just, well, it's delightful. It's serious. It's all the right color at the right time. She's amazing. So I, I would encourage anybody to look up Karen Devine. Um, Karen Devine photography probably is. Uh, you'll find her, and um, she's just opened a show at I think it's called the Robert Anderson Gallery in maybe Colorado Springs or Denver or something like that. But she's terrific. I I, uh, I think she's amazing. Thank you for that. And yeah. where can people go to find out more about you and your work? Well, I, uh, the art, unexpected uh, stuff. Uh, two places you can you, one you can see that stuff uh, if you go to uh, www.artunexpected.d the letter d and the word photo dot dphoto dot com. Um, you'll see uh, a link to the video there. It, actually, it's not a live link, uh, but uh, you can type it in and see that. Um, uh, and you can see um, a lot of pieces there. And I, I keep that up and add things all the time. I just put another piece in there the other day. Um, and then generally as a photographer and resume and all that kind of stuff, you can go to www.mickvictor.dphoto.com. And um, that's pretty much the guy I am. Well, Nick, Thank you so much for for taking the time to to speak with me this evening. It was a real pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, thanks so much. I appreciate it as well. 
Thanks again for joining me. Please remember that you do make a difference in our show. So take the time today to write a review in the iTunes store and make a small contribution to the show. It all goes a long way. To access our complete archive of interviews, download the free Candid Frame app, available for Apple iOS, Android, and Windows 8. Links for each can be found in the show notes and the website at thecandidframe.com. The Candid Frame audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. And our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.